Hello, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And as we always do, I'll just give you a little bit of an orientation before we jump into uh, this uh, particular episode. I've got a wonderful guest uh, that I'm absolutely delighted to, to be sharing with you uh, in this episode. Uh, the Soul of Business, uh, it's almost an oxymoronic uh, phraseology, particularly uh, when we put it together with uh, what I call compassionate capitalism. Those two words also don't seem to go together. Uh, I've called this program the soul of business for a very specific reason. Um, business is the pervasive, it is the most pervasive force on the planet. I mean, there is nothing that touches the uh, impact of businesses' activities. And in it's in that way um, that I think the business has a moral obligation to really attend to the consequences, both pro and con, of its activities. Um, and even from a more uh, esoteric perspective, um, you know, a point of view that I hold very strongly is that everything uh, in this universe is connected in some way, shape, or form. And there's, uh, you know, a whole body of uh, lore that speaks to that from the ancient wisdoms and the, uh, the ancient uh, texts. Uh, but also, when we start taking a look at physics today, particularly in the quantum physics world, uh, more and more evidence is being compiled that actually does not only suggest, but actually reinforces the fact that everything is connected in some way, shape, or form. So it's that connection that I speak to when I'm talking about the soul of business. Business has a soul that is connected, just as everything else on this you know, planet and in this universe has a soul that is a connecting mechanism. So attending to that is an important piece, and it's much more than an abstraction. There's a very practical reason that we want to do that as business leaders and as businesses, and that is actually one of the things that we'll be talking about uh, in today's episode. Um, when we start paying attention to this thing uh, called the soul of business, we actually open the door to aliveness. And aliveness, when we look at it in a business context, translates into high levels of employee engagement. People want to be part of what you're doing. They want to be part of uh, what you're up to as, as an organization. So uh, I, I feel very fortunate today to have as our guest a, uh, a woman that I met a, about a month ago uh, for the first time, actually physically met her for the first time, uh, at a conscious capitalism uh, conference. And we just had an immediate affinity. I, I, I think what she's up to is amazing. Uh, the work that she's done in the world is phenomenal. And I couldn't think of a better guest to actually begin. And, and we're going to have more conversations about this with subsequent uh, episodes. But I wanted uh, to have uh, Lynn Brody uh, kind of lead off the conversation around employee engagement, particularly through the, the lens of the soul of business. Now, let me give you a little bit of a biographical background of Lynn. Um, first of all, just uh, rather than reading her CV, there's a couple of things here that really stand out for me. Uh, and you can find out more about Lynn and her, her work by going to her, her website at Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Brody, B-R-O-D-I-E dot com. 
That's lynnbrody.com. Um, she believes that mindfulness is our most progressive technology. Now, that in and of itself is an interesting uh, platform that we can have all kinds of conversations off of, and we will be uh, in, in moving into that. Um, when we're doing work with mindfulness, we're actually accessing a stillness. We're actually uh, we're opening the door to having creativity speak to us. We're, we're opening the door to having uh, what I call the soul of business speak to us. And this is where creativity and innovation lie. And it's also, again, kind of the catalyst for employee engagement. It increases leadership skills and employee engagement. Uh, Lynn holds a BA in psychology and has three decades of corporate experience working for Fortune 500 companies, thousands of clients worldwide on six continents. Some of these companies include some of the uh, companies that I've done some work with as well, Johnson & Johnson, AT&T, SAP America, IBM, Verizon, uh, IBM, NPR, Boston University, the Cincinnati Symphony, uh, NFL Player Benefits, and, and literally countless others. Uh, her, her resume speaks for, her, you know, for itself, I think. And more than that, just who she is speaks volumes. So I want to welcome to the show, Lynn Brody. Lynn, welcome. Thank you so much, Blaine. I really appreciate being here, and I'm so looking forward to this conversation uh, and having this conversation with your listeners. Well, you know, uh, when we were putting this together, uh, you had proposed as a topical uh, focal point employee engagement. And uh, I thought that was brilliant because that's exactly what I'm focused on in a lot of the work I'm doing right now. So uh, there was just a real nice synchronicity with that. Um, I've got some ideas in my mind about what employee engagement both looks like, but also what's the catalyst for it. But I, you know, rather than espousing my perspective, you know, why don't you talk a little bit about employee engagement from your worldview and how you actually see it emerging, evolving, and being produced in an organization? Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I actually just did a six series uh, blog um, in my blog about employee engagement on all different issues because, uh, you know, unfortunately, it, per Gallup poll, there is only 15% of employee engagement globally. And it is a huge problem. It's a huge problem for businesses. Um, they don't necessarily understand why. Um, but from my perspective, there are several things why. And I agree with you about business being uniquely situated. Um, you know, unique business in looking at impacting the world is uniquely situated because of scale, size, scope. Uh, and geographic diversity and being able to touch many parts of the world. So the fact that employee engagement is only 15% globally is a huge problem. Um, and, you know, so I looked at this and I said, why? And I said, well, you know, I was employee for three decades in corporate America. And I can tell you why, <laughs> because just looking at all the people around uh, that I worked with and the many different cultures that I worked with and the clients that, that I worked with also was across many different spectrums. And, and it really comes down to corporate culture and there being a trust crisis um, with value and ethics, which is why you see a lot about um, 
capitalism these days and people bashing capitalism. But where you and I met at the Conscious Capitalism event and conference, they have a flipped business model. They believe, and so do I, in people first, which means both your employees and your clients, and then doing some good for the planet will equal profits. Whereas the standard business model is profits first. Um, they're not quite sure how the whole doing something good and giving back to the planet works. <laughs> and they're disengaged with their employees. And, and the, here's, why I say, here's why I say that. So someone you, you interview for a company, they go through this elaborate process of interviewing so that they can select the best person of what that uniqueness is and what they bring to the table. And then once you're inside, they never want to tap into that again. Mm -hmm. They want you to fit into their mold of everything. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, that Gallup data, you know, 15% disengaged. Gallup has been doing this survey for over two decades now that I'm aware of. And that number has fluctuated only about one or two percentage points in that entire two dec uh, decade period. 13%, uh, 15%, something like that. And the point, yeah. the point that you make about, you know, the hiring process, we hire people because we want to have the unique talent uh, that they can actually bring because we can leverage that most effectively and whatnot. But interestingly, uh, I saw this uh, study uh, about a week ago that the number one reason that's given, again, globally, for why people leave their employer is that they do not feel respected. And that lack of respect translates into disengaged behavior, disengaged uh, interactions, and it's, a, it's because people aren't being allowed, and this is one of the questions that Gallup actually addresses in their survey, do you get to do what you're good at often at work? How, how frequently is that accessible to you? Mm -hmm. And employee engagement, when there is not much of it in an organization, the reporting is that almost never do I get to do what I was actually you know, innately brought in to do, where, where my passion is. And it has to do with meaning to a significant degree. Well, it's all about meaning. Well, absolutely, because what that translates to to people is you don't care about me and who I am. And so that's why the lack of employee engagement, because they don't care about the company that they're working for. Companies, you know, once they hire you for your unique skills, should actually be aligning that in the employee orientation of what is your unique skill, this is the role that you've been hired to fulfill, and how do both of those align and contribute to the overall organization's strategy and mission, and, your, and the, the division that you're in and your particular team. No one ever goes over any of that. Right. And that, that, I believe, is a huge disconnection point of, of people, uh, you know, in what they're trying to do. I mean, organizations are trying to solve this through people analytics, which people analytics have become a big thing. And my last uh, position in, um, in a corporate job was in business intelligence, predictive analytics, um, big data. So I understand the analytics portion of it. But 
with people analytics where they're starting to come out with that more and develop it, the part that they've forgotten about because they're looking at benefits and, you know, those type of things to give to people. And I mean by benefits, healthcare and vacation time. And, um, but the part they've missed is that there is no algorithm for the human spirit. Right. That's see. Uh, there, I, I was having a conversation with a very good friend of mine, Michael Carroll, uh, who's actually mm-hmm. been a guest on the show, and we were talking about AI. You know, mm-hmm. and um, the idea of AI is is interesting in terms of the way that we can use big data uh, to actually do a number of different things. This is where the, the whole algorithmic conversation mm-hmm. goes. But artificial intelligence is different than authentic intelligence. Mm-hmm. Authentic intelligence is where we actually connect with other human beings. We connect with the meaning that work can provide. We connect with different things. And you were talking about this. You know, how, how does the organization begin to define the, you know, the Russian nested dolls, if you will? You know, we've yeah, we've got corporate strategy and goals, and then we've got the, you know, the you know, divisions, and then we've got the you know, departments, and then we've got the teams. The one that almost always is missed is how does working for us allow you to be more of who you can be and how does working with us allow you to have access to your personal dreams? Yes. And that question is, I I find to be absolutely fundamental to people finding a way to say, I want to be here because by being here, I get to have my dreams come true. Mm Mm-hmm. And most managers aren't really too concerned about what your dreams are. They just want you to put in the work. Right, because here's the thing. That's the part they may not be good at. That's not really, you know, what they're here to do. And the part that they're missing is what I call powering what's inside of you. Mm-hmm. And it's also what I refer to as what corporate don't doesn't want as like kind of like the squishy part. And, and you know, vice presidents or managers are like, I don't know anything about dealing with that. You, you know, I don't. But the thing is, it's really they do. It's a simple conversation of, of, of connection from person to person and caring and having a conversation and learning about you. Yeah. Learning about what it is you enjoy, what it is are, are your causes and, and your issues. And that it is aligned with, which is why I propose doing this about a lot of the, the work that I do in helping clients invent um, products and services that not only support their clients, but that solve world problems. Right. So that, that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you as well, because there's a how-to in all of this. Absolutely. So from the abstraction into, mm-hmm. there's a practical way that this can be done. You know, tapping into the soul of business and tapping into it in a way that enhances and encourages employee engagement. There is a methodology. Yeah, involved with this. So why don't you talk a little bit about your approach to this? Because yeah, I'm intrigued here. One of the things that you say on your website about yourself is that you are a professional alchemist. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> the whole notion of alchemy is, is fascinating because it's uh, taking things and having something emerge that nobody expected. So, so it, you know, I, I utilize my, um, my decades in business uh, with understanding business issues and solving business problems. I'm, I, I'm an ICF credentialed coach. 
Um, but I also have, uh, I don't know if you want to call it some special gifts of being a business intuitive and helping people. I, I combine all those things together, which actually someone had said to me the nicest thing one time. And I was like, you know, I'm going to borrow that. They said, you're a constellation of all the right things intersecting together. Isn't that nice? That is, I like that. I like that a lot. Very I good. know. Because they were like, you have the business part, you have the coaching part, the being psychology, you, uh, you know how to tap into people and help people tap into themselves to be able to multiply their intelligence, um, uh, go into and become more create, creative, more productive, uh, understand all of what they should really be bringing forth. And so when I work with companies, we work in programs where I can connect teams together um, and the flow of teams so that they can take the politics out, okay. get to market sooner, all of the things that they were missing before and that they don't necessarily understand, which builds the trust, builds the respect, helps them to turn around and helps them to understand their employees better and to have that conversation with me being the buffer of that and bringing all of that forth. Because a lot of times you hear in business and people will go, oh, don't take it personally, it's just business. But it's like, but businesses are made up of individuals. Yeah. They try to hide behind that as opposed to harnessing that of what they really should be, which is the soul of business. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, I mean, all, you know, I, I say this all the time. All, all, all any organization is is a collection of people that are in relationship. And if the relationships are working well, you've got a pretty good shot at being successful. And that's not just the interpersonal relationships. It's relationship with values, with goals, with vision, um, my relationship with my chair. I mean, everything has a relational dynamic to it. Absolutely. So we are connected in so many different ways to so many different things. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious, can you, you know, and without naming names necessarily here, but yeah, uh, how does, you know, if I'm a listener and I'm interested in how do I, you know, what, what's a couple of quick things that I might do? And I'm not talking about the one minute manager sort of thing where it's just kind of, and, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with that work. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so, but what is a couple of things that folks can do that you have tried? And if, you know, there may be a case study example here that this was a, a particularly thorny problem or an issue that a particular team was having or an organization was having. And here's what we did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, and I'm familiar with the one minute manager also, and though that's more of a logical linear approach yep. to, to yeah. things. What I fun. do, it, yeah, what I do more in the quantum physics world is not the logical linear approach. It is the everyone is connected to everything. Mm -hmm. So I'll use the example of, um, of teams and interconnecting the flow of teams and, and what it is that means. So there's on every team, there seems to be an issue. So when I say of taking the politics out, that people are, there's always, a couple people, um, at least two at minimum, depending how, how large the team is, that uh, these two people don't seem to get along for some reason. They're jealous of each other, they're trying to compete with each other, 
uh, they think I, you know, I have to hold this one back so I can get ahead, which has all the, the scarcity mentality, all of the lack mentality, all, all of the, um, which they don't see that they are, that other people see that they're being like this, you know, because they're, everyone's in their own blind spot. So what I do is interconnect the flow of teams so that they can understand and they get a feeling because so I work with the team member individually and the teams together so to connect them so that they can really understand and um, are really more um, comfortable with themselves mm -hmm. and who they are and tapping into the genius inside of them and the other person doesn't matter so much. Mm -hmm. Because before that, say, I'm just going to use two uh, erroneous names. There's John and Mary. And in teams, you know, uh, people have their own part to do. And each of their part of the project fulfills the whole of the project. So say John is saying, well, I have all these parts to do. And I'm not going to do Mary's part until last. So she gets it last and then she's scrambling to try to do her part to deliver on time mm -hmm. because he doesn't want her to look good because she is, you know, he feels that she might be in competition for some position or career progression or whatever. So in working with them and uh, helping them to understand more about who they are and more comfortable with who they are and then connecting the flow of each of the individuals together that is all a barrier that's removed you know that's an interesting way of looking at it uh, one of the questions that i'll oftentimes you know, pose uh to clients that i'm working with particularly in a conflict arena is what would that other part of me what would that other part of me want to have happen here? What would that other part of me like to have as an outcome or an experience mm -hmm. in this interaction? And just that, I mean, it's an awkward language structure, but sure. it speaks to there's nobody out there but me. Right. And, and, there, and the, the, they may look like a different person, but mm -hmm. it really is just a projection of my thinking. You know, he or she is a projection of my thoughts, my value system, their interactions, everything that they're doing gets um interpreted internally by me so what's that other part of me out there making <laughs> trying to make happen out there i start looking at it from that perspective and i start taking care of that other part of me in a different way so that right. uh, exactly because they they're not they're not necessarily recognizing that i open that all up inside of them with mm -hmm the combination of, I, I kind of call it a, a guided energy session with the, the quantum physics as well as, as the coaching part of it to open up the part inside of them that they can't seem to access and don't understand is there. Or some people, they know it's there. They feel plateaued and they're like, it, a perfect example is like when somebody goes, it's right on the tip of my tongue and I can't quite get to it. That's the part I deal with. The yeah. squishy part that managers and vice presidents and people don't want to deal with, which they're very happy to be like, okay, Lynn, you handle this and do all of this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, that actually falls into the domain of what I call leadership. Um, mm -hmm. Leadership is a contextual activity. It's a relational activity. Management in, in organizations deal with what I call the content of the, active, uh, the organization, which is you know, the resources that we can actually manipulate and work with to get the result. And as a sure. consequence, it's much more firm. Um, mm -hmm. Content, I can touch, I can feel, I can smell, I can measure, that sort of thing. Right. Um, context is squishy. It's kind of, it begs definition and interpretation. And that's where the, the yeah, if, if I look at myself not from the role of a leader, but as a leader mm -hmm. that doesn't need role to cause movement. Leaders cause movement. That's all they do. That's mm -hmm. all any leader does. And it's either effective or ineffective movement. But when we're moving towards the soul, when we're moving towards connection, it's different than when we're moving away from and protecting and actually finding ways to be defensive. So mm -hmm. that's a whole different dynamic. It is. And that is that whole corporate or leadership servancy. Yes. Um, and, and leader servant model, which I was um, very blessed to have worked for a vice president. Um, geez, uh, probably in the maybe mid nineties uh, to late nineties. And he was one of the best people I ever worked for. And I said to him like, John, you make it look so easy. He said, it never used to be. It took a lot of work and a lot of, he's because he was the only one that, um, I, I'll give you an example how he knew how to work with people and how to get the best out of people because he understood that he wasn't the leader and his role was not to stand on top of the mountain and, you know, bang his chest and like, I'm king of the hill. He understood his role was to support people. That's why he was there to support people and pull the best out of people and pull people forward, not push. Yes. You know, as, as an, I'll give you an example. So, um, you know, every company has these president's clubs, chairman inner circle kind of thing. And so I was going one year as part of John's group and other vice presidents stood up and they were like, I'm the vice president of such and such. And this person works for me. And this person works for me. He was like introducing the people on their team that were there to win the awards. But when John stood up and said his name and he, he said his name, he said his role, he, and, and he said, and I am in support of, and then he named everyone off. It's, you know, it's the simple things like that of making people feel that you understand them, that you care about them, that you want to connect with them. And that's what's really missing in, you know, in employee engagements. And yeah. why? Because here's the thing, Wayne, at a very base level, when human beings meet each other, very fast inside of you. You don't even know this is going on. Very fast inside of you. There's like a click, click. There's like, there, you're, your inside is saying, so like each of ours, when we, you and I first met, that we were, we were, you know, in the background of the processing of what's going on inside of you, you're, you're going, can I trust her with me? I'm going, can I trust him with me? And that is going on constantly. And and people don't understand that that's going on. And basically employees do not trust their employers with them, with them and who they are. 
Yes, which comes back full circle to that whole notion of respect. And exactly, you know, and, and why there's a, a why there's a, a why there's a crisis of trust in in organization. Yes, there was a dog and, that was barking. Right, that is <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> which, which is why so many younger people are, you know, they like the conscious capitalism model of people first. Uh, then what are you doing to give back and do good? And um, and that equates and turns into profits because more people want to do business with you. There's actually a whole social index on Wall Street about this that's been out for a long time from Amy Domini. Um, and it's the Domini ind Index with social impact. But more and more people are coming forth with it um, uh, which is why, you know, when I explain to people what I do and that I help corporations invent products and services to uh, simultaneously support their clients and, and their employees and solve world problems, they're like, ooh, that sounds really nice, but what is that? Can you explain that to me? Yeah. And so I say to them, I said, well, this wasn't one of my clients, but because a lot of times I'm under non-disclosure, but I said, you know, I'll give you an example, which most people know. I'm like, Tom's Shoes. Exactly. And they're and they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, see, Tom Shoes sells shoes, but as a part of their model, they give back to the barefoot of the world who cannot afford shoes. That's simultaneously yeah. doing good, supporting their clients, and solving a world problem. And the you know the key distinction that I think Tom's has really mastered is that social thrust, that social. Uh, consciousness is not an add-on to what they do. It's a, right. it's a built-in to what they do. Right. And that's what I do with, with clients. Yes. And with well, companies. It's not rocket science. It actually comes down to some pretty fundamental and, uh, and I hesitate to use the word, but it is simple things to pay attention to. It is, but you know, companies cannot see how their product, either whether it's a um, existing product or something new, can be in alignment and invented to simultaneously do both. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have a lot, of course, corporations, they have, you know, a tab on their website for philanthropic causes and they give money back and humanitarian aid or, or something like that. But they don't see how in alignment this can actually go on with theirs until they start working with me. Well, exactly. And, you know, that moves into an area that we don't have time to explore, but I'm, I'm really looking at the notion that business is a spiritual discipline. And, mm -hmm. and I'm using the word discipline here very specifically because answering the kinds of questions that you're raising right now about how do we find these linkages yeah, there's a disciplined way of thinking that, you know, that begins to allow for that answer to emerge. If I just approach it as business as usual and, as, and, and if I approach, uh, approach it casually, I will get a casualty as a result. And that's Absolutely. essentially yeah. what goes on. We, we don't, mindfulness, am I intentional? Am I asking questions that evoke different answers? Mm -hmm. Those sorts of things become very, very important with this. Right, which is why full circle, when you said in the beginning, when I talk about mind, you know, and say mindfulness is your most progressive technology, it's, you know, because people are very attuned to, and companies, entrepreneurs, very attuned to using technology as tools for their business, 
but they forget that mindfulness is a tool as well. Absolutely. So on that note, I'm going to bring this to a close. I would love to have you back to continue this at some point in time, but I, oh, thank you. yeah, uh, I would love to. I've been speaking with Lynn Brody and you can find out more about Lynn's uh, work by going again to her website, uh, L-Y-N-N-E, Lynn Brody, B-R-O-D-I-E dot com. And there's a wealth of information there. Um, and I encourage you to take, uh, take me up on the offer to go, go, go click on that site. You know, there's some fascinating, uh, fascinating material there. And take the opportunity to get to know her a little bit. She's a fascinating and wonderfully conscious individual. So this is Blaine Bartlett. This has been The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Again, Lynn, thank you for being my guest today. And until next time, I look forward to uh, a very, what's, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to a lot of fun in the next uh, little bit of time. So <laughs> summer is approaching. Yes, it is. <laughs> Again, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.